From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chad. This is Chris. Melody. And filling in again for Josh, who is still out learning how to be a new dad, is our good friend Robert Reed. Rob is the founder of the Reed Effect Production Studios, a studio in Phoenix, Arizona. They do a lot of great work with some of the biggest companies in the world that you've heard of, many Fortune 500 companies, doing narrative, documentary, corporate production. Rob's a great friend of ours personally, a good friend of the show, and we're thrilled to have Rob with us tonight because he also loves movies. How are you doing, Rob? I'm great, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Awesome. He's our one fan, and so it's super cool to have him with <laughs> us tonight. Right. And we're going to get into all things media. Don't forget, we love to hear from our fans. So if you have something you'd like for us to talk about, please email us at screenerscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at screenerscast. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Screeners Podcast. And as usual, if you love the show, leave us some love on an iTunes review. So with that out of the way, let's get right into Jump Cuts. All right, guys, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is our lightning round segment of the podcast where we each bring a question to the table and each screener has 60 seconds to give their answer to the question. If we go over the 60 second mark, you will hear this sound. So let's get into Jump Cuts. All right, guys, I have the first question for tonight. Uh, This is an article about Xbox Originals, which is Microsoft's uh, version of original programming that is available on the Xbox. And apparently they are planning to release a rather wide array of exclusive programming to come out this June. They've got a reality series called Every Street United, which is like some street soccer documentary series, another documentary series about technology called Signal to Noise, a possible Halo series or features or some stuff like that, plus some live stream events that you can only get on the Xbox original programming. So all in all, it seems like they're launching a fairly aggressive original programming lineup. But the title of the article that we found is called Xbox Originals to Challenge Netflix in June. So my question is, does Microsoft actually hold a candle next to Netflix in this arena? And do you guys plan on watching any of this content? So let us first throw it to Rob to see what you got to say. Trial by fire. Wow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to say I've actually known about this for a while because one of the studios that I do a lot of work with has been pitching several shows to Xbox. They got – I don't know Mm -hmm. how they had the end, but they've actually had – uh, four or five shows that they've been in rounds with Xbox pitching to them. So I thought that was kind of fun. And I did, but I didn't actually know they were ready to announce this already. Uh, but uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity for a brand like Xbox to create content that reinforces their already existing product line. And, you know, like doing shows based around the Halo series or Forza Motorsports. So I'm excited about it. Netflix has already shown that this model can work. You know, we were all wondering about that back when it first started, and they've been hugely successful. So I'm excited. I personally won't watch it because I'm not an Xbox fan, or I don't, you know, I've got kids, so I don't have time to spend much time on it. Uh, So. 
<laughs> Welcome to the screeners, Rob. You got buzzed uh, in the very first wah, time. Wah, wah. <laughs> a trial by fire, like I said. <laughs> Bam! I was wasting time. I just wanted to be buzzed. You'd be one of the few people that ever get buzzed. So that's true. I get buzzed every time. So welcome to the club for good reason. All right. Who's that next? Was Let me just say this too, because you have kids, you should like Xbox. Come yeah, I was going to say right? that script. That's right. <laughs> right. Okay, That's right. don't listen to that man. All right, Chris, Chris, what do you got? So none of these shows sound appealing to me at all. Soccer, I don't know why in the world that's where they're starting. Doesn't make any sense to me. This really sounds like they're trying to do the whole G4 TV model. Do you guys remember G4 TV several years ago? Like it's all the peripheral stuff that they think guys like. And I'm just not all that interested. I really am not. I have a feeling they're going to do really cheap reality stuff because that's the cheapest thing that you can do production wise. Uh, The thing that sold me on this idea was the idea of this Steven Spielberg led and produced Halo series that they're not talking anything about. They're just saying we have things we'll we'll talk about later. So for me, I feel like they're trying to shuffle that under the carpet, not really talk about that. That's the most interesting thing for me. They need a geeky show with mass appeal that has good quality, something like a House of Cards or a Walking Dead to really make this thing work. So that's my two cents. All right, Chad, what do you say? I think my um, original reaction is that I thought, I'm not sure that I'll be very, very interested in this, but then I thought, but I wasn't interested when Netflix first started it either. I was like, what? They're going to make their own shows? What? I think what it comes down to is this. Until somebody cracks the code of what, like the reality version of shows online that can find success like The Bachelor and Survivor and all that kind of stuff. Really, I think the only thing that's going to have success is if they do the Netflix model, which is to invest millions and millions and millions of dollars per episode, which it sounds like Halo is the only thing that they're considering doing, which would probably work. All this other stuff, I'm not so sure about it. All the documentaries have potential as well but until i see a model where the other way the cheap way actually had does something intriguing there's enough of that on tv that i don't i don't really think that it's going to work but the big stuff i'm all for it yeah i agree i mean i i think they have the platform i think they have the distribution like i know in our house the xbox is what we run all of our programming off of so when i'm ready to watch something on the tv i turn on the xbox and then i flip it to either hulu or netflix or whatever i'm going to watch so obviously like the accessibility is right there and if there was a if there was a show Amongst these that I cared about, I would I would watch it. None uh-huh. of these appeal to me, but it's definitely, um, you know, they, they have the opportunity for the market. It's just a matter of whether their programming is worth watching. So I guess that remains to be seen. Can I just ask you guys a quick question about the the article here talked about like and Melody, you even kind of read the a little bit of the article. You said a fairly aggressive line of programming. I don't see this being aggressive at all. Like, yeah. I feel like this is just more like maybe a, aggressive by volume. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like aggressive, like the way the Amazon did things, where they threw out like four or five or six different <laughs> yeah, pilots, and they're like all garbage. Yeah, yeah, and that—that's the thing that worries me. Is I'd rather them. I don't know why you would announce this Halo series and not lead with that. You don't want to see a documentary about Atari cartridges being unearthed in a New Mexico landfill. I, well, actually, do, I actually do want to see that. Yeah, I, I know. Want, it I want. I, I, I want to watch a, a one and a half hour documentary about that. I don't want to watch a series about that. That's one episode in the series. And that's Who knows I'm, what else they might have. Okay, all right. Well, maybe we'll, I, I'll judge it as they come along, but I'm just saying when well, you say two, it's fairly aggressive and those are the things you go with, you're like, uh, I'm you. getting tired of thank having you. to buy a new device just to be... Or sign up for a new subscription to be able to watch new content. I mean, Apple's probably going to be next announcing their own lineup of new sure. new programming, and you have to you have to have 
you know, a membership with everybody just to be able to watch the shows that people Everyone like. wants to so get in I, on the profit. But the interesting thing here is, though, most, I would say 95% of Xbox owners already have a subscription. So there's going to give us more free content. Why would we not take that? I, I mean, I'm just hoping that it's good stuff. I wish they would, you know, actually add value rather than just kind of give us junk. Okay, so my question. So Sony has unveiled a new cassette tape, I guess, that can be reportedly hold like 148 gigabytes of data per square inch. So to put that in perspective, one cassette tape would hold 185 terabytes of data per cassette. That's 185,000 gigabytes. That's hard for me to comprehend on one cassette tape. And like the science behind this is way beyond what, I could explain, but what confuses me is like a decade ago, Steve Jobs changes the world by coming out with a little device that has a thousand songs on it called uh, an iPod and wipes out cassettes and practically CDs. So it feels like we're reverting back. So suddenly Sony's releasing a cassette tape again. I mean, I, I know it's essentially just for storage, but I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel about this. Chris, what do you think? So when you first sent this article to us, I clicked on it and thought, what am I reading right now? And I was looking for like the date. I thought for sure this is going to be marked like 1982 or something. <laughs> right. But of course, I mean, obviously we're talking about gigabytes and terabytes of data. So of course it's not true. And my, my biggest question here, all this, this sounds very interesting in theory, but I feel like this is going to be one of these things that we hear about and never hear about again. Um, but we'll see. I, I just don't, like you said, I think this has much more interesting impact on the industry, like for backup and for storage and for putting into libraries and so we can keep um, all of our content in a smaller space. But I don't, I don't think there's any mass market appeal to this. You know, so I think for the lay, per, the lay person, you know, I don't think this is going to have much of an impact, but for the industry as a whole, yeah, it might be a good thing so that we can keep things around in a good quality for years. So I don't know. It, it seems intriguing. It's interesting. New technology. Go. Yay. <laughs> I think it's pretty much industry only kind of technology, not really for the masses. What do you Pitch. think, Melody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think right now it's definitely um, industry only. Uh, who knows, you know, what will develop and perhaps they will will manufacture some device that can access this storage and put it in a place that we can access it for the masses. But for right now, my notes on this article say, um, good for Sony. I mean, uh, okay, that's great. They put it on tape. I, I got nothing. I'm sorry. I, I need to say this one thing. Three Blu-rays worth of data can fit on one square inch of this new Wonder Tape. That's insane. That's no, no, thirty-seven hundred, three thousand seven hundred. Yeah, no, total, total, total on the tape, but on one inch. On one oh, square inch, inch. and just okay. one square inch. And this, I'm saying, like as far as space goes. Imagine, you know what I mean? Like that it's thin piece of tape I and mean, that, that that can save a lot of storage space for for companies who need that kind of data sitting around yeah i hope someone got a raise for figuring that out I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty amazing it's crazy all right chad what do you think well i think it's it's kind of funny everything old is new again everything in the last you know decade in the production world has been moving away from tape and now the solution to ever-growing file sizes is to go back to tape. And so I think that's ironic. I use a system that's comparable to this, an LTO system uh, in our studio where we archive. On a, on a $60 tape, we can fit about 4 terabytes. And so we archive all our tape stuff in a library. But outside of me doing that for my job, I don't, 
I don't know that there's any value to the mass market except for I'm waiting for the future where I can walk into my room and I have a big glass wall that's like 150 inches and then I've got like every movie ever made stored there and I can watch it and it's one step closer, you know, to that as file sizes grow and we find out new ways to be able to store it, then the future is getting closer. So it's kind of cool. Rob, what do you think? Well, I, I kind of agree with everyone. I mean, this is right now this is just an industry thing remember this is tape so it, there's no immediate access to anything you'd it's still just a storage device my first thought was cool that kind of sounds like other things i use in my business to store huge amounts of data but you know it it doesn't really go into some of the implications and so i'm good for sony i sort of feel like melody yeah and we nominate this story for the most boring story ever but new technology <laughs> is new technology so we, we, we blame josh on. for this spice yes this spice. was josh's story thanks josh <laughs> spice thanks, it up josh. with a little bit of like uh music in the background and now ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we will be talking about All right, guys, so this sparked a lot of outrage this past week, including me, because almost exclusively I buy all of my comic books through a service called Comixology on my iPad. And about three, four weeks ago, they were acquired by Amazon. And just a few days ago, this new newly acquired Comixology decided to change their iPad app so that you could no longer purchase any comics from within the app. You had to go to a website and then buy, and then it would show up on your Comixology app, very similarly to the way that the Kindle app works from Amazon uh, and has been working for several years now. This is obviously to cut out the 30% profit margin built in that Apple takes from every single sale made in the iTunes store. So I'm just curious if this, uh, if you have any reaction to this, because this has gotten a lot of reaction. Their iPad app went from having like four and a half stars on the app store to I think right now having the lowest review you can possibly get, which I think is a half star. So there's a lot of outrage going on right now uh, about this story. So let's see here, I'm throwing it to Chad. What do you think of Comixology? Any well, reaction? Yeah, I don't, first of all, I think the internet is a little stupid over this right this specific mm. issue here because kindle works the same way it, it adds an, an additional step but the company is trying to make money on a product that they do i'm of two minds of this number one i don't understand why people would want to download digital versions of comics only and not have the comic the physical comic specifically because there's no price break there when the physical comic unlike other just regular books actually has physical value and can appreciate in value over time but anyway if you're going to download comics digitally is it that much more of a step to you know bookmark it to your home screen click a button buy it there and then just import it into your app it's really not that big a deal i don't understand the the anger and the hatred over a company trying to keep a little bit more of their profit so yeah, I, I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. I buy my books for Kindle straight from Amazon and then I hit send it to my Kindle and I open my Kindle and it's there. It's no problem. I don't I don't see what the issue is. Melody, you have any thoughts? Well, the issue is that that's the way you've always done it on your Kindle. So uh -huh. it's you're not having to re relearn, you're not having to redo the way that you get your content. So, I mean, I agree like I, that's the way I do it on my my Kindle too. So, it doesn't bother me, but 
I can see how that would be super annoying if you have a convenient way to consume content that you've always used and then it's taken away from you. But I feel like, you know, as 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 consumers of this type of media, we should like stick up for the little guys, although Amazon's not a little guy, but what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is the problem. Right. I understand them not wanting to give 30 percent to Apple. So, you know. Deal with uh, it, people. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah, I thought you were about to actually lead for real with the because that's the way we've always done it defense. <laughs> it's like, I'm come just on, saying folks. I know that it's annoying. It's irritating. But it also makes sense to not give 30% to Apple. Yes, it does. It's really not that hard huh. to click a it's button not on hard. website. It's one button. It's not hard. I promise. Interesting. All it's right. Okay. Rob. Any thoughts? Uh, well, I will say on their behalf at first, I do think 30% is kind of a crazy amount. But that's right? about where my uh, where, where, it's, where it ends. I think Apple built this platform and has welcomed people on. They get to make the rules. Um, and, you know, now it's kind of a battle between Amazon and the fans. Like, I mean, I, they're, they're thinking the fans will walk through these extra steps. I'm wondering if they will. Because we we really like doing things the easy way, so I, w I wouldn't be surprised if a few months down the road they come limping back to Apple and you know and, and start that whole process up again. So a part of this, let's go back if we can three or four years ago when there was a small little company called Comixology, and a bunch of fans rallied around that company and helped build it into something that was really worth something, right? And so what's happened is over these years, they've made that app simpler and simpler. It's really, it was easy to go on there and just buy the new thing, find what you wanted. Uh, when you finished a comic, it would recommend the next one in the series. All of that is now gone. They've all that polish, all of that, you know, creativity has gone completely away and they've gone to this bare bones. Now you have to go do the work. And basically what that is, is just kind of a, a spit in the face to the, to the fans, to the, to the, the consumers that helped build that company. And so the, the problem here is, is that Amazon is greedy. Uh, Amazon said, this is the way we do it over here. So it should yeah. work over here. And it's not the case at all because that, that Amazon's always been that. <laughs> that is my two cents. Darn it. <laughs> Amazon is greedy for not wanting to give away 30%. Yeah. Yeah, Seriously. 30%. It's, it's the way it's always been. Rob it's not like it was surprising. It wasn't like it was like, oh, where did this 30% come from? No, that's literally how we did business. Right, but Amazon makes most of their money because they have such low margin. I mean, in 30%, that's that's big time. Oh, I'm sorry, but that's the, the Amazon just going to do the exact same thing. They're just moving into Apple's territory. Well, they want the thirty percent, Chad. Well, but yeah, and they, the, and they paid the money to happening. buy the app, so they should be able to do whatever they want. I but, just can't well, get into this uh, "woe is me" no, attitude no. because you have to click one more button, or you the don't. recommendation engine isn't as nice as it used to be. Are no, you no, no, freaking you, kid you me. Now you have to have two logins. You've got to log in now with Comixology. Now you have to log in to make Wait sure that you... So it's just ahead. like Amazon now. So like when I go to Amazon and I buy a yeah. book logged in yeah. as me, and then I say, yeah. add to my Kindle, and then it says, wait, one button, yes. And then I open my Kindle and it's there. That's I'm not saying so I'm, hard. It is. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh. When, when you've built when you've built a web when you built an app that works so well, so elegantly, and it and everybody loves it. It's a fantastic app. It is universally praised. And then you cripple it for no other reason. Because if you ever make if 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 you're in business 
and you make a decision to make things worse for your consumer, you are doing a bad job as a business. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Even if even if you've got this 30% built in, you need to work with that. I mean, even if they were to bump up their prices 30%, I think hey, people would stick I with I think them. your anger should be directed at Comixology because they're the Seriously. one that sold the company not exactly. Amazon. And exactly right. And 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 the and the uh the 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 actual founder of Comixology is now coming out and realizing this mistake that he's made and they actually already have updated the app so that it will now when you finish a comic it'll recommend the next one but you still have to go and search for that next one on on the web page you have to go out of the app open up your web browser oh, wow. and find it Gosh, but i'm just saying they know 30, they've made a mistake i mean it's, it's a big deal drastic. it's a big deal it's rough did we vote to extend this jump cut because no. i don't remember <laughs> voting <end>. at all <laughs> i'm oh, sorry i'm mad no. i'm mad about this and i'm just not going to take it anymore All right, for my jump cut, I read a very interesting article that posed the question, has life in the age of casual magic made moviegoers numb to the amazing? And I have to be honest and say that this is a question that I have often thought about as I sit in a front of a screen and see things beyond my wildest imagination happen week after week after week after week and wondering if at some point do we as moviegoers become numb to this amazing thing that we see and uh, taking it a step further, does it begin to impact us as far as how stories can affect us? So uh, in this article, it talked about a quote from the article says, you know, we are in fact living in the age of casual magic and it's numbed everyone on both ends of the equation. Filmmakers are so used to being able to just call someone and ask them to do the impossible that they begin to take it for granted. And audiences have become so jaded about the effects that they see that when anything is less than flawless, they get angry or apathetic about it. So I guess my question to you guys is, is this a phenomenon that you have found yourselves personally experiencing? Or do you think that um, this is just a little bit of making something where there is nothing? So let's jump to uh, Melody. What do you think? Yeah, I do think it's a phenomenon that uh, I have personally experienced and that I see, you know, happening in our culture at large. I, like, I remember when I first saw The Matrix, like, the, that those visuals were something that, you know, you'd never seen anything like that before. It was captivating. It was exciting. It was inspiring. And, like, those were, like, monumental films. Um, and now it, it is, like, every every movie, you just expect it to be perfect. And if it's not, like... I don't know. You just, well, at least you expect excellence and it's not as magical as maybe it once was. Do I think, however, that it affects like the, my engagement with the story? No, I think those are two like separate issues. And I don't think that just because the, the spectacle of film has come to the point where, you know, every movie has to be a big spectacle or have like an amazing plot. Like frequently you don't find those two things together. I, I don't think that like one negates the other for me. Oh man. <laughs> I think I can evaluate a film, a film story <laughs> and a film's visuals separately. Thank you. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. Uh, so story and visuals, she can carp uh, compartmentalize. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Well, I I also have thought about this a lot, and I I do see it in my own life. But I think it's kind of human nature that we quickly become accustomed to whatever we're used to, right? I mean, you could probably go back generations to where our, our parents were first seeing the 
first effects on TV and suddenly, you, you know, radio doesn't do it for him anymore. <laughs> uh, I, however, I think it's important. Like the, my question was, is this dumbing, uh, me or my children to the point where now we go outside and see a sunset and uh, nothing matters anymore. Like, I don't think it's really affecting the rest of my life, but in as far as the media that I watch, you become accustomed, accustomed to it very quickly. And something that blows you away today is mundane tomorrow. Yeah, and, and let me say too, just as a quick follow-up as we continue here, I think part of the point of the article was saying that it wasn't just the fact that we get used to it. It was the fact that studios begin to feel like they have to provide a quote-unquote experience in these right. movies and throw everything in there even when it may or may not service the story so that a movie just becomes a barrage of sensations, especially because that typically, at least in the world that we live in right now, translates usually into big dollars overseas. So that's 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 kind of where it's trying to get to is that is it a beginning to affect the stories because producers are saying we got to blow more stuff up or we got to do this or we got to do that. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I think that's why we have genres, right? I mean, when you walk into a blockbuster film, you expect a certain spectacle, a certain, you know, explosions per minute quotient or, you know, whatever that may be. And that's fine. I mean, bottom line, the filmmaking business is just that. It is a business and they want to make money. And so whatever we go and we pay for, they are going to make more of. But just because... You know, we can do things. I mean, Rob just mentioned, you know what I mean? Like, of course, moving pictures replaced, you know, the popularity of radio. Is radio still around? Sure. But it didn't mean that, you know, it desensitized us. You know, color suddenly made a huge difference from black and white. And, you know, there's always a generational leap. Those are okay. That's not going to numb us. Uh, that doesn't, it's just, we're going to have certain genres. There's going to be black and white films. There's going to be color films. There's going to be 3D films. There's going to be IMAX films. There's going to be blockbusters. There's going to be dramas. There's going to be Oscar winning pictures. There's going to be, and so th this is just a, a vast array of different types of films. All right. There we go. Fine. No, I'm going to say take a chill ahead. pill. Relax. <laughs> I think my bottom line is, is that we can still be amazed. I agree with Rob. I think this isn't this isn't a bad thing. It just is. It's just a thing. It's 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 about growth. It's about the medium becoming older and more mature and we're learning. So I don't know. I, I think it's cool. It's a business. Although if they wanted 30% out of that business, you think they would be mad about that, Chris? I'm just, <laughs> just asking. No. Yes. So yes. <laughs> one thing though, I, that I do think, and I, I go back and forth cause I don't know if this is a matter of story or if it's a matter of the, the effects and, and the fantastical that we see on a week by week basis. But for me, I think over the last two summers in particular, there is just a week-to-week -week kind of almost apathy that sets in on, on these films that are all supposed to be big and beyond anything you've ever seen and amazing and exciting. And then there might be one or two things that kind of actually stand out. And usually it's because the story was great or the action was great or the acting was great. And so I don't know that this is actually, if all things being equal, I think story still wins, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. So Absolutely. Uh, I think that's what, if you tell a good story with great acting, you're going to be all right. Absolutely. Although one of the things you said, Chad, is that are, are the movie executives, are they sort of to the place where they think they have to put all that in? And unfortunately, I think they are there. And I wish they weren't because I don't think it's accurate. You know, but, they'll they'll put all of these movies with amazing effects, and then every once in a while, 
a film comes out without any of that that has really good storytelling in it and it just explodes and people out there are hungry for good storytelling but the the movie executives keep feeding us this non-stop explosions and, yeah and, and, and that's and, the way and, it always has been though i mean let, let's let's yeah. not let, let's be real there's always been the smaller films yeah but i i agree but here's the thing where i where it has not always been the same and this is what actually concerns me a little bit and i i, I say this with all due respect to the world in which we live i understand it's one big world okay <laughs> oh my goodness. so i'm not trying to be offensive here but i think the emphasis on international dollars international for me meaning outside of the united states has become such a huge part of these films becoming profitable with their budgets as large as they are that those kinds of films that are big experience films do very very well historically overseas where smaller stories don't necessarily because they may not translate culturally and so it's one of those things where I do feel like if they're on the edge of should we do more of this or not, they're going to say yes because they need the dollars overseas. And that scares me a little bit because I don't want all of our movies to all be the same. I don't want to, I don't want to be bombarded where it's not necessary. And they won't be, Chad. I mean, come on. They'll spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the ones that they know are going to be bankable. But then they'll always – those those three or four – films in the in the year that are you know that make money will then fund all the ones that you, you really like sure i, I mean, mean that's we can that's say the way that, it works. this it's a is business. the first time in our history that we've ever had this kind of international scope for for theatrical releases welcome so, to the new world we'll welcome, welcome to the worldwide economy it's gonna it's gonna be okay it's gonna be all right don't be scared Bahamba. don't be scared <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the main event all right, guys, up this week, we're talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You know what it is I love about being Spider-Man? Everything. Whoa! Heads up, watch out! That must be pretty cool, huh? To have the whole world see you like that. The Amazing Spider-Man. What is that? Peter Parker. There he is, boy. You're gonna want to see us. Oscorp. Get you under surveillance. Why? Isn't that the question of the day? We have plans for you, Peter Parker. What is all this? The future. We literally can change the world. You wanted to be the hero. Now you gotta pay the price. What happened to your face? It's filthy. I was cleaning the chimney. We have no chimney. What? The IMDb summary of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 says this. Peter Parker runs the gauntlet as the mysterious company Oscorp sends up a slew of supervillains against him, impacting on his life. Directed by Mark Webb, stars Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, and a lot of other folks as well, which I'm sure we'll get to. So we're going to have a, a quick kind of initial overall impression of the film without any spoilers. And then uh, we'll take a break and go into spoilers and talk a little bit more about the end of the film and some of the things that maybe will impact the universe of Spider-Man. Let's do this first. Let's talk about your initial overall um, relationship with Spider-Man, 
you know, there, this is the second kind of um, pass at Spider-Man in, in the world of film that we've had over the last 15 years or so. So, you know, give us your overall impression of the Spider-Man franchise as a whole, maybe the first Amazing Spider-Man, and then go into your initial overall impressions of Spider-Man 2 because I'd be interested to know where you guys are coming from. So, Rob, what do you think of Spider-Man? Okay, well, um, I've, I, I'm not familiar with the comic book series, but I, did, I have seen all the other Spider-Man movies that have come out. And uh, I loved especially the first franchise and the first movie of that, and they got progressively worse. But <laughs> I really enjoyed that. You know, the, the thing I've, I do like about the last two, including this, you know, this one here, it's, I do enjoy watching people take the same storyline, same character, same content, and doing their version of it and seeing what somebody else's interpretation of that is. Uh, and I've I've enjoyed that ab- about these. Um, overall, I would say, you know, it's it's almost the same conversation I feel like you guys have and and I have every time lately that I watch a superhero movie. The same things annoy me about it, and the same things are wonderful about it. Uh, you know, we'll get deeper into that later. But uh, overall, give me a comfortable theater and some popcorn, and I really enjoy myself. Uh, and then there's the nitpicky things that bothered me about this one that they do, you know, the same way they do every time. All right. Chad, how about you, man? Well, my history with the comic is, like I, I've mentioned before, I grew up collecting DC and Dark Horse. But uh-huh. sometime in the mid to late 90s, forgive me if my timeline's off there, I'm old and that was a long time ago, I, there was a, a relaunch of a series where they essentially, Marvel rebooted a lot of these. They had like the um, amazing... You're talking about the Ultimates? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. And they did a, a new series that kind of relaunched Spider-Man as well. And yep. so that was my first exposure to Spider-Man comic, and I collected it for a couple of years and really enjoyed it. As far as the movies are concerned, I think the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy overall is, is, is solid. I think the first one was very good, A Breath of Fresh Air. I think the second one is actually one of the best comic book movies of all time and i think that the third one is one of the worst comic book movies of all time <laughs> i was gonna ask you and the and third so, oh my gosh it was it was horrible <laughs> and the the reboot which in my opinion was unnecessary yeah. i hated like i actively hated it like i in the middle of the movie i was like i am hating this and i didn't <laughs> want to but i did and so i went into this one with kind of those same expectations like i'm gonna do this because we're reviewing it and because it's spider-man and because i see movies but i have <laughs> no no excitement in me going in to see it and i must say that this is like one of the most and we'll get deep down into it as we go but my, my overall impressions is that this is like one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. I, I would literally go from like 10 or 15 minutes where I was like, I, this is freaking terrible. And then I would go to like 10 minutes where I was like, I love this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like schizophrenic for lots of different reasons. Like some stuff was like really awesome and some stuff I <laughs> was bafflingly stupid. <laughs> and so, but overall, I definitely liked it more than the first one. Like I, I left feeling like, okay, I, I think I enjoyed that. And so we'll talk about why, because <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. has a lot to do with the director and yeah. 500 Days the of Summer, director. which I love. Yeah. Same director. Right. No, the things I liked about it, I think, are because of the director and what I think he does well versus what he doesn't do well, which is what I think we'll talk about later. With uh, him. But, I got you. But, got but you. overall, right. I was pleasantly surprised due to a combination of my very low expectations and then some stuff that I thought was genuinely funny and kind of fun. Right, 
Right. Cool. All right, Melody, how about you? History with Spider-Man and then overall thoughts. Yeah, I don't have any relationship with the comics of Spider-Man, but I have seen all the films similarly to Rob. And also similarly, I did love the first one uh, in the original trilogy because uh, it was superhero movies were kind of like, you know, it was the new thing in those days. So yeah. and th- that movie was was specifically good. I did not like the other two. And for these ones, like, I don't understand why they even have to be made. I just don't understand. Uh, <laughs> the other sp- the other franchise is, like, wasn't even dead. And I don't understand the necessity of reworking the same thing. Hundreds Seriously, like, of I just, millions of dollars. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Did you but see like, the box okay, office fine. returns? Okay, okay, I get that, but like, I don't see why I need to be excited about it anymore. I'm, I, if you have to take <laughs> away my geek card, fine. Oh but like, gosh. I don't want to watch it. But okay, right. to be fair, I like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone way, like 500 million times more than I like Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. So I like watching Agreed. them together. Okay. I, I enjoyed that. I think the humor and and the tone of um, these films is better to me than their very recent predecessors. I like for this movie, I I, I kind of agree with Chad. Like there there were times where I was like, oh, this is kind of awesome. This is really great. And then but when I walked out, I I didn't feel like it was awesome. I felt like it was fine. Another fine superhero movie. Melody, I think you're over superhero movies. <laughs> That's what she said. I think you're That's over it. what I said. We were talking about it this afternoon. She's like, I don't want to see another superhero movie. <laughs> it's sad. That's sad. I don't like to hear that even coming out of my mouth, but there's just so many of them. Yeah. I can't even see them all. Like, I, I would not have seen this movie if we hadn't have, if we hadn't have been reviewing it. So, so I don't what, know. So it wasn't amazing for you, right? Is that what you're saying? Um, part, <laughs> but, parts um, of it. Parts of it. it? But amazing. overall, no. Chris, okay, what about you? So, <laughs> so okay, let me. Go, I, I did a list of pros and cons. Pros for me, this is much better than Amazing Spider-Man One. I totally agree with you, Chad. Like, I hated that movie. Hated it. It was. It was. I remember we were, we saw it with a group of friends, and afterwards we went out to eat, and I just was laying it on thick, and they're like, "Dude, you really hated that movie, didn't you?" I really did. I, yeah. I thought it was redundant to the point of ridiculousness because of all this. There are two. If, if you're a kid growing up, there are two superheroes you're very familiar with the origin story of. Mm. Number one would be Batman, and number two would be Spider-Man. I mean, those two you just know. And Superman, uh, how dare you, sir? Well, yeah, seriously. Uh, well, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying as Chris, far as origin stories go. How I dare you, sir? Okay, all right. <laughs> so I feel like Superman has had a long enough... Uh, had a long enough uh, outing. Like, we haven't... Never, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's I'm okay, Superman rules, Spider-Man rules. You may continue. I, I, I don't. I, okay, so I was about to get to this. Is I have never been a huge fan of Spider-Man. I'm actually more of because he's whiny. He's a I'm whiny more, pants. Sorry. Well, not when he's done correctly. Um, there, there are a couple of places, like in the Ultimates, when they recreated. Uh, Chad, you'd mentioned this already, where they 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 done. Where he's more snarky and fun. And in fact, there was a there was a, a moment at the beginning of this movie where I was so excited when he was battling that Russian guy, and he was actually acting like Spider-Man. He was making quips. He was being fun and funny, and you know he was doing silly things. And he was well, well, there was a lot of that kind of humor and almost slapstick. And if you're gonna do a movie with Spider-Man in it and and kind of go that direction. I think there there would be a movie there. I think there could be a really fun, funny, exciting, not quite kiddy, but more kid-friendly than going into like the dark place that the movie takes us to uh, about halfway through um, the runtime, uh, which is a long runtime by the way, two and a half hours. Yeah, it was long. Okay, so 
Better than Spider-Man 1, I like that opening sequence with the Russian mob. And what was that actor? That's Paul Giamatti, funny, right? I hated that opening sequence. But really? We'll talk, we'll talk about why later. Go ahead. Do your list. Well, I, I, you know, it's a style, a stylized, like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we can't talk about it later. And then I really loved, and I think this is what you're getting to when you talked about the director. I really loved the moments where we had... Peter and Gwen together like there was sweet. It was almost too sweet. I mean, it was like, but it was still like, oh, they're like, oh, this is awkward. And um, and you know why they're doing it. We'll talk about that later. But at the same time, I really I, I kind of enjoyed that bit of the film. Then I get to my cons. Um, I really felt like most of the that was a um, short prose list. Yep, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> so I feel like most of the supporting cast are hollow, cartoonish. Um, grossly stereotypical. There's a mm. German scientist um, in this. Yes. We will uh, discover yeah. you. Oh, so oh, wow. dumb. With so the classical bad. music. Right? Yeah, I, it was so oh, bad. So I was bad. I, I was sitting there in the theater like, uh, why Why are we doing this right now? Is, this, is there going to be like something like clever about this? Or is it, oh no. No, that's all it is. It's literally that. That is where they're going. Evil CEO who's just out to, you know, whatever. Now, the Russian crime boss I, that I was talking about earlier, I don't like that character. I thought he's horrible. Paul Giamatti's character. I did, uh, uh, Not good. So, like, it just so, like, one-dimensional. Like, here is a bad guy. Here is the good guy. Fight. Like, that just drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of origin stories of people I don't care about. And, like, Electro's origin story was awful. In every way, shape, or form, I did not care. I, I, you could have taken it out of the film, and I think it would have been better. Like, just him show up as this crazy guy that has electric powers, much better than, like, showing me this, you know, him falling into a vat. It felt, there was, there was, there were moments in there that reminded me of um, Batman and Robin. If you guys remember, like, that kind of this really way cartoonish. I've blocked way that movie too, from my memory, actually. Yeah, it's just, it's just too, it was too, like, happenstance. Like, oh, this happens, and that happens. And oh gosh, I'm now you know electric powered. This is ridiculous. Um, anyway, I, I didn't enjoy that uh, all that much. And then of course the plot as a whole is just filled. All the gaps are filled with way too many coincidences. Especially this new universe they've created. Uh, it feels like everything has to now tie back to Oscorp. Like there has there you have to have. This has to be connected to Oscorp. This has to be. This has to be. This ha- and it's just way too many. Oh, what a tangled web we weave, right? Uh, when all of these things have to come back to one spot, I just think it's ridiculous and kind of takes me out of 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 enjoying the thing because it's it, they're just trying to be too. They try and wrap everything up in this nice pretty little box that I don't know. I'm, I'm not all that a huge big fan of. So anyway, that's my overall thoughts. But it is a better movie than Amazing Spider-Man 1. If you're looking to kind of, I don't know, just go out and turn off your brain and just watch pretty eye candy for two and a half hours, you might enjoy this. Um, so perhaps you'd enjoy it. How about you, Rob? Would, would you actually, would you recommend somebody go see this movie? Yeah. Uh. In the movie? No, <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, it was, I mean, there were a lot of things that surprised me in there. I, I've been thinking about that first scene and I also really couldn't stand that scene, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Chris, if it has to do with, since you were a fan of the comic series and yeah. that's sort of the comic 
character Spider-Man. Yes, and and that is it. Like he is a he is a much more quippy. Like he's always slapstick. I, I just enjoyed that that kind of lightheartedness before we get into like the more Chris Nolanized version of Spider-Man, where everything's well, dark. And I get that, but I wish they would have done it with lighter content because all i could think of is this guy is running over cars things are blowing up people are dying and he's joking about it the whole time right i mean and it didn't feel it didn't fit for me he didn't seem like a good guy to me wow that's a good point yeah and i I, I agree that part of the problem too is that in that opening scene it's if you're gonna set a tone you can set like a silly tone like a jovial tone which would even be appropriate for spider-man but you yeah. Not to compare them, but you have to do it more like Sam Raimi did it, which it's this it's this fun in the little details um, while still maintaining some semblance of a real world. Like, you know, when the character's like, you know, he's poking fun at him and he's like, I kill. I was like, really? This is so, so stupid. Dumb. Oh, no, no. I, I, so don't get me wrong. Stupid. I'm sorry. And the action. Nope. Hold on. And, and, and another no, part of it was that the action itself wasn't very remarkable. It was just kind of. Okay, okay. Uh, and I'm talking about just in this this opening scene. It was just kind of more of the same, you know. There, yeah. there it didn't feel like they had any, any weight or stakes to it. So I, I just, guess, I really hated that first scene. I guess I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm actually, I totally agree with both of you on what you're saying. I, and I totally understand. What I am more coming across is I like that character of Spider-Man. So I was kind of excited that maybe we're going to get that Spider-Man in this, in this movie. And mm. that doesn't happen anymore in the movie yeah like they, they quit right after that. yeah it just goes away and i'm like oh man we're not we're not gonna get there because it's because it's, it's that silly like he's trying to get to graduation and you know what i mean like he's a real person but it's almost that buffy the vampire slayer types thing where he's a superhero but he's trying to keep it but how does he actually live his life when you know he's all this stuff but he keeps a good attitude and you know what i mean he's he's, yeah. he's having a good time yeah, but see uh-huh. i think i think the way to do that is like they did it in the rest of the film uh yeah because uh, i don't know no, 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 no. hold just this movie we've seen a billion times. No, no, no. Here's what I'm talking about. The the things that I found interesting in this movie and actually enjoyable were, you know, we talked about Mark Webb and 500 Days of Summer is a movie that I actually like very, very much. Yeah. Um, and so when he was first announced as the director of the series, I kind of paused and was like, really? How did he get that gig? Is his, like, you know, in-laws running the studio or something? <laughs> right. But... His fingerprints in this movie, and you guys have mentioned it, you know, whenever Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are on screen, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, Sally Field, I thought she was great. Those three Mm -hmm. were great. Which has really surprised me. Sorry. Yeah, I thought those three, uh, going into it, I thought they would be the ones I would have the hardest time with on the acting, and I would love the other characters. And instead, I thought they all did a they really were, good job. They were wonderful. But I, it's hard for me, too, to also blame Jamie Foxx because his character his oh, character yeah. was such a caricature. Yeah. Oh, of, so bad. I mean, like, he comes in, and he's the nerd with the oh. blueprints, and his hair's messed up, and he's yeah. awkward. It's like, mm-hmm. really, guys? Really? Are we going there? Because yeah. the thing is, if you're going to go there, you got to go there. All the way. Like the whole movie has to be that. It has to be just exactly. over the top. Silly. And I think there's potential for a good movie in that. But back to my original point was, I think one of the things that I loved about this Spider-Man character, just in general, in the, in the more human moments, was the fact that he was sarcastic. It was the fact that he was like, oh, he talked like a, a real teenager would like he was always you know making little silly jokes like when his mom when he said he was cleaning the chimney and she was like we don't have a chimney yeah. and he's like what 
good. You know, it's just like it's whole, it's just really funny. Again, again, but he this that's the moment he's being Peter Parker. All I agree with you. Whenever he is Peter Parker, it's good. But Spider Man, the that that character is not the way I, I was hoping he was going to be from that first scene. And I agree with you. I I think Mark Webb is much better with two characters on the screen than he is CGI mm. and trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with this? Even though there's some, ama- there's amazing like little moments in this movie. There um, really so are. There really yeah, are just, some good moments. There are. And they're all the non Spider-Man moments. Well, what do you well, mean? I thought, I thought the one moment when the, the like the little kid was yes. coming up to be Spider-Man yes. and then he comes like, that I was thought awesome. that was, yes. he was a good Spider-Man That was awesome. I, one thing that was fun for me is I was in New York on a job this past weekend and staying in Times Square and huh. I actually was hanging out in Times Square, you know, just watching people and hanging out, be, waiting for my movie to start like a block away. So it was kind of fun to experience a, a New York uh, superhero movie with New Yorkers yeah. and watching all these scenes happen in Times Square where I had just been. That was kind of a fun experience. That's fun. It, yeah. was, it was fun or was it like frightening? Like I'm watching a place <laughs> where I just was being destroyed by a supervillain. Yeah, well, so I'll tell you-, you one thing. If superheroes ever start manifesting, New Yorkers, the first thing they should do is move because that city's going down. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. It's, it's, yeah. and, and, and it looks... It, Again, like the CG on that was pretty terrible too. Like it was yeah. like on the moment the action started, like oh, yeah. and now we're on green screen. Yeah. You we, know? So let's let's give our overall final impressions yeah, yeah, and yeah, recommendations and jump into spoilers so we can talk about so, some of the specifics. Rob, you said no, people shouldn't go see it. Chad, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Ish. Yes. Caveat. Ish. If you if you like Spider Man and if you like. <laughs> Um, comic book movies. This it has Spider Man and it's a comic book movie. Hey, I got a question. You Moving got a on. you've got a kid, right? I, Rob, I do. Do, you, do you have children? Yeah, I have three boys. How old are they? Uh, eight, five, and one year. Will they be? Will either of them? Well, obviously the one year old and the five, maybe not. But will the eight year old be going to see this? Uh, no, you know, I I went. I always go to them first to see if I'm okay taking them and. Right. I could take my eight-year-old, but at the, you know, at this point, I don't really split them up because then the five-year-old feels gypped. So right. <laughs> I, I, I'll wait till it comes out on video and just fast forward through any scary parts. Okay, Chad, how about you? You said maybe caveats, yeah, but I just no, no. No, no you're, you're switching I don't think now? so. I think I've changed my mind. <laughs> okay, all right, rock on, <laughs> Melody. I'm, you, you're done with superhero movies. So I'm gonna guess. Hey, don't just don't just write me. Off. I'm not writing okay. you. Okay, I was gonna I'm give you a dot, done dot, with dot. all superhero movies, but definitely would not recommend this one. All right, yeah, and and I think I'd say the same way. If if you're gonna do it, I would recommend that you you rent it. I don't think there's anything spectacular about seeing it in the theater, other than you know just some crazy action sequences that I think are overblown CG. Definitely, you know. Anyway, I, I would say wait for the uh, wait for the rental, and uh, if you're gonna see it at all, then don't have to see it in the theater. All right, let's move into spoiler territory. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. 
and he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. For me, one of the pros, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to mention it, I didn't want to allude to it, but this is the, the dark part of it that I'm talking about, Chad, is the ending of the movie. We go from, we know, if you're a comic book fan, you know what's going to happen. I mean, Gwen Stacy is the reason why Spider-Man is who he is. Like, that's a, that was like a big backstory for, um, for Peter Parker. Um, and so... What did you guys think of – did you guys know that she was going to be killed? Did you guys know what was going to happen? What did you think of that moment when he failed to rescue Gwen Stacy from falling uh, in the tower? Yeah, I didn't see it coming. It, wow. it took me completely by surprise. I don't know the story or the characters, and yeah. I loved her in this movie. I mean the director almost pulled it off a little too well, which is you know makes you really upset when she ends up dying in the end. I was sure yeah. that she was going to come back. I will say I love the way they did that. The, I mean, just from an editing standpoint or production standpoint, the way they pulled that off, that was you really kept you guessing. You didn't know if she died or not. That was five hundred days of summer though. When he's sitting there by the the grave site, and there was the different seasons going by, mm-hmm. that's when you knew, oh, this is real, <laughs> like. They're not. They're not going to pull a. You know. Oh, we're right. hiding her someplace, or right. like. You know. She. She got bit by the radioactive spider too, or something like that. It was. Yeah, no, this is real. Gone. This is done. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with it is that the the entire last act up to that moment was so freaking bad. It didn't uh, earn it. It, it yeah. was so bad. I mean, the yep. whole thing in the power. Uh, grid oh, oh, and with her oh. saying, "I know how to fix it," and this is my choice, and blah blah and blah. Making, all oh, gosh, all of so that was so bad. That's one of the things that's that's baffling here is that the best action, and it's we have a perfect example with our last podcast where we talked about Captain America, Winter Soldier, where the action was so fantastic and so integral to the story and you knew what was going on and it advanced the plot line throughout the, the scenes in this movie you're just waiting for them to end because they you don't care and it's uninteresting and just there's nothing worse in an action movie the, than uninteresting action and that's well, all that is, it was there's no rules like electro the moment yeah. you learn that he could yeah. teleport yeah. There, there was no there, there was no reasoning there they give some like like baloney like explanation oh do you know what happens if you feed back on a battery oh yes it and you're like what is what are they what are they even talking about it just it just seems so science, like chris well I, I know it's all science it's <laughs> you know radioactive spiders because science and 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 <laughs> And things, uh, diseases that happen that turn you into yeah. hobgoblins. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it just it seemed oh, there was no rules, yeah. and, and there was no there was no way to tell well, what was going on or agreed, what was going to happen. Agreed. And back and back to the point was because it was so disinteresting or so uninteresting. Excuse me. Leading up to that moment, that when she falls in and that was beautifully shot. I love that. The smartest thing that I think that they did was they, they ended, they bookended it with the scene, which was all terrible. And then the very end, they have that little kid. And another part of my favorite part of the movie was when he was doing stuff and he, he rescued this little kid from the bullies earlier. And they had that whole little area there where he was just helping like everyday people. Yeah, I love that stuff. It was, it was very it's, good. It was very well done. And so then when it comes back and the little kid, I mean, it's it's for me, it was impossible not to respond to that. So like yeah. they're smart yeah. because the movie's so crappy, but that <laughs> yep. last scene is so good that when I walked out, I was like smiling. I was like, 
did I like this? <laughs> no, right. I didn't. Dang you, last scene. Because that little kid was so cute and it was all, you know, whatever. Then it ends with a hero shot with him doing some awesome yeah. things with like manhole covers and like rockets. And then like he's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's a cool last moment. A good Not, thing to um, end on. I didn't think so. I thought, what? They paid Paul Giamatti to be in this movie and gave him 30 seconds? No. <laughs> the reason. So we should also say that they are in production on right. Sinister Six, which is the, the, the main reason why you want to do or own a Spider-Man franchise is because of the villains. And it's just like Batman. He, they've got a whole dearth of uh, bad guys they can are go you to. telling me we're gonna have to see that character again the <laughs> yeah. russian there's, guy there's, actually, yes. oh, my there's gonna God. be there's yeah. gonna be an entire movie with the six of them they, they, they mentioned them at the end of the movie the rhino vulture doc ock hobgoblin and electro like those are the those are the the the, the sinister six and they they may switch them in and out because they've they've you know they have just like the Avengers, they kind of switch in and out. But they're the Avengers for bad guys, basically. Awesome. And they're making they are making that movie. That is that will be out in I think two years, I think. So that's the reason why he's here, is for because they're trying to do that Marvel universe thing where you see a character in Spider-Man 2 and then he shows up over here in um, Sinister Six. So that's what they're doing. They're trying to but set I'm that character. I'm sorry, just because he has two minutes of screen time doesn't mean he has to be so ridiculous. It's I, know, I agree with you. Right? It's he's horrible. amazing. True. Can't you give him some decent lines or something. I, I agree. It's an I, embarrassment. I, it is. That I, could have been like the best scene of the movie, and instead it was just ridiculous. Sad. <laughs> I am Rhino. <laughs> yeah. It, it's to me, it's just very clear that this director is gifted in the area of building human relationships. Yes. And yes, so he, is. he they need to here's the other they need to jerk his tail out of this series and let him go do other things based on real exactly. people. Exactly. Let except, him make those movies. Except for the totally. fact that this movie is going to make three quarters of a billion dollars worldwide. Because and then, it's Spider-Man. You know, it's, it's name record. It doesn't matter what the movie is. It's it's Spider-Man. It's true. And that's the problem here is that they know the moment they put out a Spider-Man movie, it's going to make money no matter how good or bad it is. And this is the, goes back to our discussion that we had earlier. Yeah, like totally this does. is this is a business decision. This really isn't an artistic decision. And so what they do is is they're like, hey, maybe we can make Mark Webb do it. Oh yeah, he was great. Five hundred days of summer. Maybe you know we'll get the indie crowd in. You know what I mean? Like it was. I, I there's no doubt that somebody was sitting down at a desk with a group of people and they were standing there saying, okay, like. You know, just like a political election. I mean, how how many can we get out if we have this director? How many can we get out if we have this star? How about these characters? Oh, okay, here it is. It's a business decision. It really doesn't have anything to do with how good it is. And, and that's unfortunate. I agree with you. It's sure. It could be much better. I um, felt like they rushed Green Goblin. Like I, I, I was I mean, they we were with his character throughout, but at the moment when it happened, it felt you know where they ha they're literally you know he takes that injection or whatever it was and then too, too he's big of a crawling to the too big of a coincidence yeah crazy coincidence and that kind of drove me nuts but I you know my like I said earlier my favorite scenes were the ones without Spider Man this the scene with uh, Peter Parker and Gwen when after she's broken up with him and she yep. comes back yep. um, was a I was a really Delightful. well done it was yeah yep. it really was like when they're doing the scene where. 
um, he's saying we're going to have to lay some ground rules. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah the, walking the down writing, the road. Yeah. Yeah, the writing Excellent. on that scene was really well. That's what I was, when well I done. talked about it, it's almost too sweet. It's almost saccharine. Like, you're like, what, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so light. <laughs> this is so wonderful. I love these guys it's so wonderful. much. It's, I love them. I love them. Oh, until she dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well but that's it, why they did them. That is literally, because they want you to be like, oh my goodness, they, they're so good together. Oh my yeah, gosh, but, they just killed her? But the thing is, is they are wonderful together. Even in the scene where they're in Oscorp and they, you know, they break into the middle of oh, the, that was that. See, the, of the, the closet, oh, and they're like, yeah. "This is the most cliché yeah. place ever to be caught." <laughs> yes, right. And I was like, "Now, how can the writing in this scene be so exactly wonderful?" Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you walk out of that cliched closet into the world of your cliched characters yes. and all of your villains. Right? It's like so the I, mad scientist. Come on, guys. Oh, so bad, and th- and that is it. I feel like they almost like Mark was almost like, you know what? Give me the script for when he's out of the suit. I'll work on those. And you CGI guys, you can work on whatever you want. Um, what I was going to say, my one of my favorite moments that actually he's in the suit, but it's not a CG suit, um, was later on when Gwen um, is wanting to come with him to the power plant. And, you know, they're arguing him and he's like, no, you can't come. No, you can't come. And finally, he just webs her arm and yeah. she's there and yells his name. Peter. Oh. I can't right. say Peter. You know what I mean? Because then everybody's going to know who he is. I thought that was very sweet. Again, like she, though, it's a it's a wonderful mm-hmm. moment because it's a it's a relationship that, moment. Exactly. <laughs> You're right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, but and their chemistry the is so great. It's so yeah. great. But so, that yeah. was so fun because like that. That's one of the things you don't see is that it's a, it's a young couple. Yeah. You know, they're 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 on the kind of they don't know what it is. They don't know you know love and oh, hormones and all that kind of stuff. And just in that moment, she yells his name. And knows at that moment, oh, I can't do that because I've got to protect him because I love him. Like, there's so much in that. And, and she does it so well that you're yeah. just like, oh, I love you, Gwen. You're yeah. going to die in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, I think they're kind of like the young Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. They need to yeah. finish this and go right? do a romantic yeah. comedy. They do. Yeah. They're so good together. They really are. They really are. It was, are. It was a lot of chemistry. Well, I think we've, I think we've run it into the ground. But <laughs> no, we yeah, have. Please, yeah. let's not talk about <laughs> it anymore. Sorry. But overall, I think that it's... Uh, I think we could classify this as a a good attempt and a near miss. But all the character stuff, all the performance stuff, to me, I think is just is almost wonderful. But almost almost makes it worth it. The cutting room floor. All right, guys, for cutting room floor this week, we are resurrecting uh, one of the things that we tried originally on the podcast, which is a segment called "Convince Me to Watch." And what we did was each screener picked something that another screener has not yet watched. And we had to watch it um, during the last week or two. So we are going to go around and hear little mini reviews on several of these, uh, mostly TV shows actually this time. One movie and three TV shows that we had to watch this week and hear why one screener wanted to pick it and what the other screener thought about it. So Chris, I think you had the first pick for this one. Yeah, and I think this is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, if we're going to have a Convince Me to Watch segment, I'm going to pick Hannibal because <laughs> it is an amazing show Shocker. that no one is watching. I've been trying to convince the other screeners, the the, the regular cast of the screeners, to watch this show. But uh, the, the hat was drawn and I got uh, Rob. So unfortunately, nobody – the, the regular cast of the screeners won't be Still able to respond. Um, but I will get to know what somebody who has not seen this. Ser- no, Rob, had you seen the series? No, um, I had not. Okay. Have you ever, have you watched Science of the Lambs? Do you have any familiarity yes. with Hannibal? Yep, okay. I've seen all of those movies. Awesome. Okay. So, Rob, I asked you to watch the first two episodes. Were you able to watch them? And what did you think of Hannibal? 
Well, I have to say I was worried about this assignment on two levels. First, because I know your love for the Transformers <laughs> movies and oh, and the like. True. He and loves so it. I was a little afraid. And on a, a more serious note, I there is a part of me that's starting to get tired of the TV shows and movies that are like – uh, uh, you know, vampire, uh-huh. too much human blood and violence. I'm just getting, they're so dark and I was starting to get a little tired of them. So I thought, eh, I don't know if I'm in the right place for this. Right. Uh, but Chris, I gave you props. This was excellent, excellent yes. TV watching. Oh, yes. uh, I was <laughs> very, very pleasantly surprised. I, I don't, I, I'll, I've seen all the movies, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on the, the characters at all and knew what to expect. Um, so, and that almost worked to my benefit because it really was yeah. nothing that I was thinking or expecting in, yep. in all the good ways. Uh, uh, first, by far, the best thing about this show is the characters that they picked out. Um, Will Graham's character, yes. Hugh Dancy, is so perfectly yes. written and acted. And oh, he's a joy to watch the whole time. Like, I can't wait to get to know him better. Yes. And you can tell it's going to take a while. Yeah, and it will. It is yeah. It is so... And we should also say, too, we're going to so keep good. all of this discussion spoiler-free. Mm. Yes. Okay, right. yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Although also, you've only seen the first two two episodes, so this there isn't much spoilers that kind of goes there. Well, I but, just mean yeah. for all of us in general yeah, yeah, as yeah. we go yeah, through. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Totally, totally. Well, I'll, I'll also uh, – I will say the only reason I saw only two episodes was because I had a crazy week. If, if it would have been a normal week for me, I'd be five, six episodes in by now because yeah, yeah. it was really well done. Hannibal Lecter's character, I'm – I have no clue where they're taking this, and that's so right. much fun when you're watching a show <laughs> like this. Um, I, he's he's so excellently cast for this, uh, and they're writing this. I can tell it's going to be a slow a slow process, and that's always a lot of fun. So anyway, it was just it's beautiful that people out there have been listening to you talk about this for a year. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, what did surprise me? It looks like this is going to be the kind of show that. Each episode is kind of a standalone mystery, yeah. Um, while developing the yep. characters little by little, and I, I wouldn't have expected to enjoy that that much because I tend to mm-hmm. like the sort of ongoing one long story, like True Detective. Um, but this is working for me, and what's great about it is if they continue to write well, they can keep this story going for a long time. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about it is is that you, it's what's so funny that you just said is that I have no idea where they're going to go with the Hannibal ca- character. Well, in fact, you do know exactly where they're going with the Hannibal character because you're familiar with the Silence of the Lambs. You're familiar with Hannibal. But be, when you're watching this, you forget all that. Wow, I remember the Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs and especially towards yeah. the end, some yeah. of those you know famous scenes. Yeah. How in the world do they get this guy to that place? Mm. I'm glad you enjoyed it, So Rob. did that you like it, Chris? You like this show is what you're saying? <laughs> right? It's the best Chris, show on television. I think that you might have actually it, liked this show. It is the best freaking show on television. Oh, I will evangelize so this to your mind. Said. It is. Well, wait till we talk about the next show. All right, so I was excited uh, to have this opportunity because there's a there's a few shows out there that are vying for my attention right now. I'm always excited when I find a new show, but one that has uh, me really excited to get some feedback on is the new show Fargo um, that just started recently. And so I picked Melody and asked her to watch the first two episodes, and I can't wait to hear what you thought, Melody. All right, well, I have a confession to make. I did watch the, the two episodes. 
But my confession is that I have never seen the movie Fargo. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, I know. I know. Kick me off the show. It's <laughs> horrid. I'm so sorry. Look, if I'm we not... don't kick Josh off for not seeing The Godfather <laughs> and 90% of everything, I was you're say, not going to make everything. But so, so I've never seen it. Um, so I literally had no context at all for what the show was. I mean, I, I like I've seen the cover for Fargo. That's that's all I know. So I like I didn't even know is this a drama? Is this a comedy? Is this action? I don't know what I'm watching, but okay. So <laughs> the first episode like moves along at a pace and a tone that I would have probably predicted, having knowing really nothing about it, but you know just kind of using the little information I had. And then about halfway through, it just takes a very shocking turn. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I'm totally loving it. Like I'm totally in. I'm into the show. I would definitely have not watched it, Rob, if you had not recommended it. So thanks okay. for that. Just because I don't honestly watch a lot of TV. And and I'm also kind of over the whole violence thing at the moment, too. So um, but this one um, to me is definitely worth worth the watch. I, I think that, that the acting is great. The cast is awesome. Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman are both very compelling characters. And I'm interested I'm interested to see some of the other characters develop as well because there are a lot of other, you know, bigger names in the show. So yeah. I I like it. Yeah, I it was it's too bad that you haven't seen the movie because I, I think that would add a, another I I mean it's there's a very specific feel to that movie that that put it on the map and made it famous and that's mm-hmm. what amazed me so much about this TV show. I thought great they're going to do a TV show and they're going to even if the story's great they'll never capture that mood and that feel and it I think they really did. Right. And of course Billy Bob Thornton his character is so beautiful uh in this in this series. It's just written so well. He's yep. I love watching him on the screen. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that he he definitely has stolen the show in, in the first couple episodes. Um, but Martin Martin Freeman too. I mean, I, I love I love him as an actor. So I'm definitely enjoying enjoying seeing his character. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry that I haven't haven't seen the movie. But it it is like the feel that I always imagined that it had. So <laughs> I do you know what I mean? Like it's a Coen yeah. Brothers movie. So yeah, I'm in. I'll keep watching. All right. Well, I also got to pick a show that I have trumpeted on our podcast several times. I picked for Chad this time and I picked Homeland. So I'm hoping that you were able to find it and watch it. Chad, were you? Yeah, I was. I, I didn't re- I did not realize that Showtime has an HBO Go like app that's called Showtime Anytime. And I am a subscriber to Showtime. So, yeah, I was able to get uh, get right to it. All right. So what did you think of the first couple episodes? Well, uh, I was assigned the first couple of episodes when we talked about this about a week ago, and I'm currently on episode uh, seven uh, of season two. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. That is not a surprise to me. Now, now, that being said, however, Uh let me talk about this. All right. So I had heard all the hype about Homeland. Uh, You know, I'd seen where I think Claire Danes won... was it a Golden Globe or was it an, an Emmy? I'm not sure. She won not sure. She something, won. but I didn't know what season it was for any of that. And and I'd heard you guys, of course, talking about how great it was. And I'd heard other people talk about it as well. But for whatever reason, I just had never got around to it. So I went in with a little bit of expectation, but not not a whole lot. And, and I have to be honest that 
the concept of this show in the first season in particular is very intriguing, very interesting, and I wanted to know what was happening. But I have to be honest about this first season, okay? <laughs> A couple things. Number one, it oftentimes looks like crap. It looks so yeah. cheap sometimes that it drove me insane. Number two, I hate the intro credits. And I know this is so dumb, but it may be the worst intro credits of it any is. big show. And I hate it. And so it every is. time it comes on, I want to scream. And then <laughs> right. number three. And the, I forgot about that. And then the biggest thing about this show in, in season one, and, and I'm getting to the, I'm getting there, is that I think Claire Danes was so horrible in season one that I could almost could not finish it just because she's the central character without going into any spoilers and because I hated her acting so much in the first season I almost could not enjoy it she she won by the way I'm sorry she won a golden globe for her acting but in, in season in, one in, in, I don't season think one. it was was it season one <laughs> yes yeah well, that, the mean, that means you're wrong yeah. Chad no time out the golden globe is the Hollywood foreign press who wouldn't know anything good if it slapped them in the face so oh, I'm not worried about just that true it. story she overacts so terribly and the thing is is she's surrounded by such great acting that it stands out even even more like Nicholas Brody the guy who plays mm-hmm. Nicholas Brody Damian Lewis is stellar Saul, right? Saul, Saul Berenson is one of my favorite characters yes. on television right yes. and so they're so awesome that around her because all she does in season one is whine and cry the whole season <laughs> Chad I actually completely I 100% agree with you on hated that. her in the first season now it is literally like magic. It's like this first season got through and it was a huge success. And then they were like, and so now all of our sets are going to look awesome because we're going to give you money to do this show. <laughs> right. Because in season two, the cinematography is gorgeous. Yeah. And all, I love season two so much that it's one of my favorite television shows you know of the last five six years it is yep. the second season is so great it's what's put showtime on the map and just now they're able to do this uh, uh what is it called i mentioned to you before we started the show penny uh what is yeah, it yeah yeah i'm not i'm not sure the supernatural show that's coming penny out dreadful penny dreadful thank yeah, you yeah thank so you. i haven't I haven't seen that yet but let me just say this man i'm going too long i hated the first season for those little things i didn't hate the first season i hated those things about it but it was still compelling enough that it got me into the second season and it is so great it is so great i love all my complaints about the first season are gone so <laughs> i'm in i mean well, hopefully, hopefully it'll stay there I'm glad because I was afraid with you watching only the first two episodes that you might not get into it enough to to get to the second season. Well, and, and I have to be honest, I was like going, "What? What the heck? <laughs> Is this like a big joke? Like, <laughs> am I getting punked here?" Oh come on! But, no, but it's the not fact of the matter is, is that Chad, if you would really thought that way, you wouldn't have gone any further. Exactly. There must have been something no, 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 that what, caused you to continue. Absolutely. To watch. The only, it's like I said, the, the 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 ancillary characters and the story are extremely compelling. It's yeah. just hard when the primary character, who everything is kind of through her eyes. Yeah. I hate her so much that it makes it hard. But anyway, I'm over that now. We're all good. Carrie and I are we're BFFs now. Season two. We're rolling. So, so I was, could not agree with you more. And I'm glad I'm glad you've made it to season two. That's yeah, so it was a great a great recommendation for sure. Have you guys seen that, Rob? Have you seen Homeland? Well, I, I was gonna say now you've convinced me to finish season one. And Yay. get into season two because I'm about halfway through season one, but just couldn't keep going. Well, season what I'm three, saying, right? <laughs> season three just finished, and we haven't actually watched haven't season, season three because we always, we always, we always do the thing where we get Showtime after Game of Thrones is finished. 
Yeah. So, so we'll we'll get we'll do that after Game of Thrones is finished, and we'll we'll watch the third season of Homeland. Yeah, you should you should power through it, Rob, because the second season is definitely worth it for sure. I I do agree with you on the intro as maybe one of oh, the worst horrible. of all time. It's awful. and you know what we we should do a um or you guys should at some point do a best opener. Yeah. Uh, and, and since I may not be on that episode, I'm voting for Game of Thrones and Turn. Both mm. of those have awesome intros. Yes. Yeah. yes Game of yes. Thrones is definitely amazing. It is. So which leads us to our last convince yes. me to watch. Which this one amazing brings, opener. This amazing brings me person. great joy because oh, I, I somehow the gods smiled upon oh. me and I drew Chris's name, <laughs> which is just, I know, you know, and it's karma. Call it what oh. you will. Call it fate. <laughs> Right. And so what I picked for Chris was a movie that was in my top five of last year's uh, films. And I think it was my number four, maybe even three overall. And of course, I had to pick something that Chris in a billion, like literally not a million, a billion years would never watch. Uh And that is a movie called Short Term 12, a very small, beautiful indie drama about a couple who's working at a a home for uh, challenged teenagers. And so, um, Chris, I cannot wait to hear how much you hated this movie. Let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when you said this, immediately I was like, what is he having me watch? I don't even remember. (laughs) So this is actually, did we do a list last year? And you actually said this movie? Our top 10. Yeah, this was like my number four. I see, love I, this movie. See, in a billion years, you're correct. I would have never. You're even <laughs> mentioning it on the list. I it just completely went over my head. I was. I didn't even make a note of it. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. I would have never watched this movie. But um, the opening scene in this is, uh, as you said, wonderfully acted. Very compelling. It's basically just a group of twenty somethings having a conversation and you're not exactly sure where they are. It looks kind of like a camp, I would almost say. Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of chatting and they're kind of talking about the, you know, their experiences in this place and, and how crazy things can get. And in that moment, something crazy happens. Yeah. And it really just, I, cause honestly what I was planning on doing, Chad was <laughs> watching this sorry, movie, <laughs> watching this movie with an iPad and just being like, this is stupid <laughs> while you're checking your and, email. And yeah, everything. Like, right. and, but honestly, and I had the iPad in my hand and I was, uh, you know, I was kind of doing that and just kind of half watching that first scene, but it was so compelling that I shut the iPad and watched the entire movie and it is it's wonderful. Oh, uh, it is yes. a it is a wonderfully <laughs> yes. crafted victory. <laughs> well acted. It is um there are there are moments that are um I don't even know I don't even know how to say it like thrilling in, yeah. in a way yeah. and also frightening and um lethargic. Like there's a moment with a baseball bat that yeah. is so just so well done and so yeah i i i don't know why this movie um didn't get more did it was it a was it nominated for things no i don't it even really, know it, it really flew under the radar i mean it did well in some festivals and it has a cult following that's kind of built up around it just because it's so good but no and there, there are several actors that you're probably familiar with like there's a, there's a gal her name's stephanie betrees or whatever she yeah. is now on um the uh that comedy uh, cop show. What is that called? Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. And then John Gallagher Jr. is mm-hmm. on News. Uh, no, News what room. is it? Newsroom. Newsroom. Yeah. And I love his character in Newsroom. He's you yeah. know he's almost the Jim of the Newsroom or whatever from the Office. Right. Um, and um, 
No, just a great cast. I mean, it literally it it rests on because all it is it is literally just writing and acting. I mean, this yeah. this movie there is no special effects. There are no it was sets. A perfect movie for you, Chris. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's wonderful in every sense of the word. It is wonderful, and I would definitely recommend it, especially if if you work like for me, like um, we we run a summer camp. In the summers, and Melody's family has now for the last you know thirty something odd years. And so, if you work with kids and you kind of know where they're coming from, and you know that they've got hurt and pain and all that kind of stuff, even if it's not to this level, which obviously at camp it's not to this level in any way, shape, or form, but it just it kind of draws you into that kind of like, oh my gosh, like wow, there are people who do this. There are you know people who are hurting like this, and it's it is. It's wonderful. It is a good. It's a good movie. It My is. Heart it's a very is good warm, movie. Warm, Chris. <laughs> I will sleep like a baby tonight. <laughs> you should. I mean, I honestly, I think if you have a heart, and you're, you know, I, I, I don't know how you wouldn't like this movie. Yes. It is. It's. If, it's. It's wonderful. If anything good comes from folks. If Chris Farrell loves this movie, everybody <laughs> will love it. The first two minutes of this movie is like a hand. Um, hand cam like conversation but it looks wonderful it's yeah. well done and it's uh, yeah it's good yeah man you guys well, I'm, Rob, you. You, you and melody haven't seen it right no, no i haven't seen you it you should see, it. I I see it you should you, see it it's wonderful yeah, it's wonderful it was my top five of last year so yay right. victory for convince me to watch guys very very Indeed. good i think yeah. we do we all have positive experiences we right did. yeah yeah. Now our listeners have some stuff they can go out and watch. Yeah, so we're go watch we're, people. We, we've got at least two recommendations now for Hannibal. Thank goodness. So <laughs> I think that's the winner. I think overall, I think um, the, the thing that we should come away from this segment with is that Hannibal. Hey, is Chris, could you talk about Hannibal for about four or five more minutes? <laughs> go watch it, people. Now, now oh, Rob's on the case. Lord, here we go. <laughs> well, then Chris can lay off a little bit. That's yeah, thanks, true. Rob. I well, appreciate it. Well, speaking of speaking of Rob, we want to say a big screeners thank you to Rob Reed. A big yes. hand for Rob. Yes, uh, thank you, Rob. Again, you can find more of Rob's wonderful work with the Reed Effect Production Studios. Uh, visit his URL at thereedeffect.com. That's R-E-I-D. So again, thanks, Rob, uh, for being with us tonight. It won't be the last time. We had a great time and hope you did as well. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. I love the show. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.